0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous' Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 6, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book, page 21, and we are located at the first full paragraph on that page, starting with, but what about the real alcoholics? The reference number for yesterday, the share code for yesterday, which was Wednesday, September 5th, is 2960. That's 2960. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. I would now uh, like to ask Idini to please read the 12 steps.
1: Thank you, Janice. Uh, Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Idini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe. To have God remove all these defects of character. Sem- seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people where- wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass.
0: Thanks, Verdini. And now I'd like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. My name is Margaret I'm from Illinois, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Paths.
0: Thank you, Margaret. Thank you so much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in There is a Solution on page 21. And that first full paragraph at the top of 21, but what about the real alcoholic? And I'm going to ask that Deb W. start us off.
3: Good morning, Vision for you. Good morning, Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan, grateful to be here today. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. I'm going to stop there. Um, Yeah, I can totally identify with this this morning. I am a true compulsive overeater, Uh, Once I realized what the problem was, once I came into the rooms of OA, I um, understood fully what was going on with me because I had no idea that I had an allergy going on. And and so once that was divulged to me and once I um, kind of first got that first taste of that, understood it somewhat intellectually, um, it, you know, took me a little while to experiment, because I still wanted to control it, you know, me being the the uh, prideful, arrogant person that I am, um, I first didn't want to accept it, but I had to concede to my innermost being that I was a real alcoholic, and um, I did start off, I think, as a moderate um, eater um, when I was younger, but I tell you what, I proposed in my mind that i was going to eat however i wanted to eat as a child i remember having that moment of real decision i believe i was about seven or eight years old and when i was told i couldn't have um, a particular item i thought to myself i am going to have however many of those things that i can have when i'm an adult and boy did i fulfill that that uh that proposal in my mind um says he may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all
4: control of
3: his liquor consumption um, once he starts to drink. I um, definitely remember at that point later on um, when I was an adolescent thinking, um, boy, I can't just have one Snickers bar. I have to have at least two more to the point where I was sick. And, of course, it got worse and worse and worse. Um, so I'm very thankful today that I'm living out the solution. I've implemented these steps, and that um, that is no longer a problem for me, because I don't pick up what it is that triggers that and uh, with I'll pass
0: Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on
5: what was read? Esther? Good morning, Esther. Go ahead. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. I um this paragraph is telling me that I'm not like the uh, the drinkers in the previous paragraph not a, a moderate compulsive overeater or just a just you know uh you know someone who just eats too much but that I'm a real compulsive overeater. And one thing I also learned in this paragraph is that I can't go back to being a moderate eater. That's what I wanted to do. Once I came into the rooms and I realized I had a problem I thought well, if I just, you know, lose my weight, I'll just go back to whatever being a normal eater is. I'll, I'll I'll know what normal eaters do and I'll just do that and I'll be fine. But I can't go back to being a moderate eater. And you often hear in this program people um comment that um once you're a pickle, you can't go back to being a cucumber. I'll tell you if I watch that pickle go in, the cucumber go into the brine. I I don't think I could tell you when it became a pickle. I, I don't know when I became a compulsive overeater. Exactly which point in my life did I, you know, step off, you know, the platform of being a, you know, uh, just a, you know, an overeater to being a compulsive overeater. I couldn't tell you. But one thing I know for sure is that I can't ever go back to being at that stage. I I am where I am and I am who I am, and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
0: Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, Ms. Leia.
6: Go ahead. Thank you so much. Good morning everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a compulsive a reader. But what about the real alcoholic? This is clearly differentiating me from the, the moderate eater and the hard eater. And, uh, you know, the doctor's opinion teaches me that this phenomenon of craving, this allergy of the body, this manifestation of this abnormal reaction differentiates me from other people and it and it sets me apart. It sets us apart, from, you know, as a distinct entity. It says, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And... You know, there's there's many of us on the line here and uh, you know, compulsive overeating it's not a matter of how much or how often, um because we might be, you know, in different places on the spectrum, but it's the inability To moderate or the inability to stop in the face of dysfunction, in the face of pain, in the face of medical consequences, in the face of unmanageability, it was my loss of control because once I picked up that first bite, my disease had the last say. You know, once I picked up that first bite of those substances that triggered that phenomenon of craving for me, I could not predict with any degree of certainty when I would be able to stop. You know, I would think I was just going to have a few bites. I would think I was just going to have a taste. I would think I would just enjoy the party, enjoy the banquet, enjoy camaraderie with a few friends, and then I would stop, you know. But lo and behold this bingeing would continue for days for weeks for months with an inability to stop so uh this sets me apart you know other people don't have this phenomenon this this abnormal reaction but i certainly do and that's why my name is leah and that's why i am a real compulsive overeater with that i pass thanks thanks
0: leah Well, uh, my name is Janice, and I'd like to comment about uh, this particular paragraph because it speaks to me loudly and clearly of of a couple things. What about the real alcoholic? What about the real alcoholic? What is it that makes me a real compulsive overeater? Well, the big book's been clear in setting me up for this definition. You know, I was perhaps one of those people, who at one time could stop or moderate. But this disease is not only progressive, but fatal. There is a progression of the disease. And you know, I saw the progression of the disease clearly in Bill's story. Back on page five, he says liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Became a necessity. Somewhere along the line, I passed through that place where it went from habit to obsession. And once it went from habit to obsession, there was indeed no going back. No going back. You know, I could have started off as one of those other explanations of people who drink a bit too much. But I had that stage of my drinking career where I passed from habit to obsession. And once the the obsession had me, you know, those chains of the obsession could not be broken. It could not be broken. You know, I lost all control once I started. But my main problem was that obsession. I couldn't stop myself from starting again. I couldn't stop myself from starting again. The big book's going to explain more about this whole idea this bit of good information that I so desperately needed to have in order to find a solution. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? This is Carolyn. Go ahead, Carolyn. And then Paula. <laughs> I know it.
7: Um, for me, this paragraph is paramount because it describes for me exactly how I ate And when I first came into program, to be abstinent for me was to just set it into three piles a day and to have a a start and stop time in between because I ate from the minute I opened my eyes to the minute I closed them and couldn't stop in between. And this just sums it up for me. That's how I had to get my start. And now today I've gone from eating three piles a day to being a vegan and eating when my body tells me it's time to eat. And it's so amazing that I I have that sensation in my body today that tells me it's time to eat and it's time to stop. And I can listen to my body because that's God within me. That's my higher power in me telling me to start and to stop. And I don't have to eat compulsively anymore and I don't have to eat those trigger foods anymore. And it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And that's only because I have a higher power and I work the steps on a daily basis that I can live this way today.
8: And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Go ahead, Paula.
8: Thank you so much, Janice. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. It says the next but, but at some stage... Of his drinking career. I'd like to take it a little different with that word stage. You know, there are stages of disease. And we know some diseases. Stage one, hey, you got a shot, honey. You got a shot here. Stage two, hmm, not as good as stage one. But, you know, there's still a chance. Now we're coming into stage five, honey. It's more you than you are now. And it says of his drinking career. What's well, a career? course of action, this is the course that it takes you on, this is where it doesn't differ, it always ends the same, once he starts to drink, and that's what it says, but some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control, no more now, no more, and then it uses the word very specifically, all, you had some before, but this is the progression, all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink, the ending always the same. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone
0: else like to share on what was read?
9: Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia.
0: Good morning, Eddie.
9: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone on the line. This is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Happy to be here this morning. Um, the, the one word that really jumped out at me as people were talking was the word career, and a career is something that you put a lot of effort into, at least for me, anyway, and uh, p- pursue that in order to attain an end. Um, and when I think about it, uh, that that's what I did with my compulsive reading. That became my career. There was nothing in my life that I put more effort into, pursued more ferociously. Um than I've tried to perfect uh, more than my compulsive overeating and it it just actually that's thought never occurred to me until I was sitting here this morning listening to everyone share, and I thought to myself, well, that's what I did. I made a career out of my compulsive overeating you know my um my my relations with my family, um uh, my relationship with my husband and my child um you know my friends um my 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 other quote unquote career uh, none of that was as important to me at towards the end as obtaining uh, what I needed to fuel my compulsive overeating um, to maintain me to to get me through the day or the night or the event or whatever uh, nothing was more important and I pursued that with when I when I look back at that with the energy and the uh, fierceness uh, of someone uh, pursuing a cure for cancer or, you know, Jonas Salk pursuing the polio vaccine. It, it just, it, and I, you know, next week, God willing, will be my seventh year of abstinence. And I think, you know, how could I have not seen that before now? But I did. When I, when I look at this this morning and I realize that this, there was nothing else in my life that I was pursuing like like a like a marathon runner than this goal of obtaining my, my, my food substances that I absolutely had to have to get through the day. Thank God I don't have to do that today. Thank God for this program, for the people here. I don't have to do that anymore. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
10: This is Sharon. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi, Janice. Thank you. Thank you to all on the phone. Good morning. This is Sharon. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And the thing that I've been uh, thinking about in these few paragraphs is what I went through to locate myself at this paragraph Uh on page 21. I started... I I know that I started off as um, uh, just eating a little bit to make myself feel better, and um, then I became a more moderate eater and did crazy things with food. When I came into the room, I had completely eaten myself into a place of, of uh, really not being able to function well. But what Fascinates me is how many years I sat in the o a room trying to locate my now I want to say there's noise on the line it's not coming from my phone, so there is a lot of noise and it there's someone else's phone that is uh, causing that noise um but at any rate it what what is of interest to me is that is how many years i sat in the oa rooms not being able to locate myself in these paragraphs i could not see that i was a real compulsive overeater and that was the craziness the insanity of this disease the strange mental twist and i'm wondering if there's others of you who are on this line who are going through that same thing? That are having difficulty, even though you. I. Um, I know for me, I. I would do crazy things with the food. I could listen to others, but I was. Outwardly, I wasn't two hundred pounds. I when I started in the rooms of OA, I was just one hundred and thirty pounds. Um, but the insanity of it all is. I actually felt crazier than if I had been 200 pounds really because of the extent that I had to go to to control my weight but then because I could control my weight the insanity in my mind said maybe I'm not one of you and I maybe I'm not I kept trying to find excuses trying to not be a real compulsive overeater um, I wanted to, to to think maybe I was a moderate, you know, maybe I was a moderate compulsive overeater. But if for some reason I did not want, and of course who wants to admit complete defeat? So if I never was a compulsive, if I wasn't that bad, if I could just hang on the fringes of the rooms, uh, then maybe I wasn't as bad as, as these people. And, um, And yet there was a part of me that wanted to be uh, one so that I could get that recovery. So there was this strange mental twist. And it wasn't until I admitted that I found myself in this paragraph and I finally came to the conclusion that my disease was never going to get better. It just, as I sat in the rooms for 10 years, the disease progressed and progressed and progressed. And how much misery I could have saved myself if 10 years prior, I could have just admitted complete defeat because it wasn't until I admitted complete defeat that i could finally get the recovery that i so yearned and longed for until i could find myself in this paragraph right here where i recognized that i did have an eating career and because it was a career i was never going to go back to being a novice i was i was bound to this career and i was going to act it out till death do we part And until I could recognize myself that I was just only going to get worse, never better, then I could accept complete defeat. And then at that point, my recovery from compulsive overeating could begin. And with that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
11: Hi, Janice. And Deb. Go ahead, Deb. Hi, my name's Deb. I am a compulsive overeater, a real compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I love when it asks that question. You know, it says, how do we know? Like, are we a real alcoholic? And it doesn't go on to define it by how much we drink or what we drink or when we drink or how low in life we've gone or what we've lost. The only thing it defines what we've lost, the only way it tells us is that at some point in our career, we've lost the ability to control our consumption once we've started. So, see, I had to know it didn't matter what I weighed, how I looked, what I had not lost in life, what I had lost in life. It was about that thing, was that true for me? once I started to consume those certain foods, did I lose all control? And the answer is yes. So we do come in all shapes and sizes, right? We come in at all different points. But what we have in common, right, are the two things, that obsession and that inability once we start to control because that allergy kicks in. I'm grateful that it defines it that way, and it doesn't set up a whole bunch of other criteria. It's really, really simple, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Deb. I think we'll move on to the next paragraph, and would Penny C. please read the next paragraph for us?
12: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, family. This is Penny C. from Massachusetts. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's seldom mildly intoxicated, he is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, but let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. But in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself, and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet next morning he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. He can afford it, if he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over the house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative which, with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. Um, what can I say about this? <laughs> this? This is really chock full of, of, of thoughts and feelings for me. Especially feelings, as I read this, uh, so much of it is is me. Before I had the the blessing to be shown the twelve step program and begin to, you know, come to the rooms and have such wonderful people guide me through these steps. Particularly this part where it says. He is often perfe- perfectly sensible and well balanced concerning everything except liquor. Well, for me, everything except food. And and I was I was honest to the hilt, except when it came to anything to do with food. And I was I was um, anything but selfish, except when it came to the food. And in the guilt that came from that, I come from a tradition where every Saturday my dad would walk us to church so we could go to confession. And I knew, I knew how dishonest I'd been. And even as a very young child, seven years old, when we first started uh, doing this, I was not able to say I, I hid the food, I lied about where, where the bread was that the bread man had brought, because I had eaten it all. So I became... I became Completely, completely selfish and dishonest. And the other part here that that really speaks to me is that he uses his, oh, he often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him. You know, because I was so, so um, directed and controlled by the food, so many people throughout my life have said to me, you know... You have so much going for you. You have so much um, intelligence and gifts. And yet, you know, you you have so little confidence and self-esteem. And what I didn't know then is that it was because the food gave me so much cause to be worried, fearful, angry, excited, and making foolish decisions all over the place. And I just thank God uh, as I'm reading this more than ever, how wonderful it is that I can look back and say, that's how I used to be. That's how I used to be. And as long as I keep in conscious contact with my higher power and continue to, to stay the, around these programs and have such wonderful people helping me, then I don't, I don't ever, ever have to go back there. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? I
4: would. This is Sarah. Was that Sarah? It was. Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning. Hi, I'm Sarah B. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. And um, I'm really busy, but I'm listening to this and just feel so compelled to comment on it. One of the things that um, stuck out to me was he is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. And when I reflect back on my eating career, it's not really fair to say that I binged. I, I mean, because I think of a binge as something with a start and a stop.
11: I think we lost you, Sarah. Press star one to unmute.
4: Well, I think we'll move on. Would anyone Sorry. else like to? are you pull? there? We're still here, Sarah. Sorry, my phone started reading me a whole menu of things. Sorry about that. Um, in any case, what I was trying to say was that um, when it talks about, you know, that um, he's seldom mildly intoxicated, he's always more or less insanely drunk, it's not really fair for me to say that I binged because I think of something as having a start or a binge as having a start or a stop. Um, and for me, I ate all day, pretty much from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. It was a constant, constant thing. So I wasn't really binging. And um, the gift of recovery is, of course, that, you know, this this goes away, that we do get recovered. Um, you know, we do move on from that time. And for me, a great example of this is last night I was at an event, a community that I participate in, and I signed up for service, and I told my husband I had signed up for service, and he said, well, what did you sign up to do? And I said, I actually signed up to staff the snack table, and we got a big laugh out of it. And I said, but, you know, it'll be fine. And he said, of course it'll be fine. He said, that's, that's your gift of recovery. and. It was so cool that he pointed that out because I didn't realize the irony that I s that I signed up to staff the snack table. I just wanted to be of service. That's where they needed service. I didn't think about the food. I just wanted to be of service to my community. And that is a direct result of my recovery. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah.
0: Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Deb. Go
11: ahead, Deb.
3: Thank you, Janice. Again, Deb, uh, Recovered Compulsive here from Michigan. Uh, I can so identify with this. Here is a fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk, um, dropping down, yet let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes dist- disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial you know my eyes are moistening <laughs> as i read these words and i just think man i can still identify with this because i too um was that dr jekyll and mr hyde when i was in the food um i was um the strange person around my family and my friends and they did not get it you know they didn't link it to the fact that it was food. You know, with alcoholism, it's kind of easy to to spot. You smell it on people. You know, they're waving back and forth and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But with food, it's so cunning, baffling, and powerful that, you know, it's easy to hide other than the exterior of myself, the extra pounds and the extra adipose tissue. um, You know, they didn't get it. And so it reminds me of on 107. How could men who love their wives and children be so unthinking, so callous, so cruel? There could be no love in such persons, we thought. And just as we were uh, being convinced of their heartlessness, they would surprise us with the fresh resolves and new att- um, attentions. For a while they would be their old sweet selves, only to dash the new structure of affection to pieces once more. I did not realize what my problem was. And that was the thing. Because I didn't get it that it was the food that was... That it was essentially keeping me drunk and and you know uh, not allowing me to function correctly and properly um, in society and, and amongst my family. Um, that was the problem. I didn't know what my problem was. Um, it goes on to say, asked why they commenced to drink again, they would reply with some silly excuse or none. It was so baffling, so heartbreaking. Could we have been so mistaken in the men we married? You know, <laughs> I was thinking. My husband made a huge mistake by marrying me, you know. um, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why can't I, you know, get this? Why is it that I'm having issues with this? And so today I'm just so thankful because here is the solution. You know, again, as I said before, walking into the rooms of OA, I didn't know exactly the problem because, you know, the, the message is mixed there. But God can and will... If we seek him out, if we seek him out, he has got all power, and he will answer. Knock, and the door will be open, and that's what happened to me. He will reveal all in good time, and uh, I'm just so thankful and grateful for that, and uh, with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Deb. There was someone else after Deb? Would anyone this else like Rick. to comment?
13: Oh, this, this is Rick. This would be
0: I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not hearing. Was it, it the first person?
13: Hi. Oh, hi, this, this is, is Rick. Sarah.
0: Go ahead, Rick. I thought I heard you. Go ahead, Rick.
13: Oh, hi. Uh, my name is Rick. A compulsive overreader in Dallas. And uh, what struck me about the paragraph was that line. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. And that, to me, meant, like, stress. My issue was, uh, the slightest sign of stress, I would reach for food, or fast food, or anything. And, uh, some people take, I suppose, cigarettes, some take, do other things, work out. But for me, if I put something in my mouth, it relieves stress. And that's this program made it possible not to react that way. Uh, And apparently uh, every time, even today, even though I've, I've been abstinent for about 75 days, when an important decision or a stressful situation arises, I do think about food, but I don't take it out. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rick. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph?
14: This is Christy.
0: Oh, I'll wait.
14: Go ahead, Miss Christie. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is Christie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful for my recovery today. Um, you know, I, I, I love that this paragraph paints such a picture, such a picture of what my eating did to me. You know, there's a, I like this particular passage. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. You know, um, for me, you know, I was always in the food. I was always in the food, which means I was always dishonest and selfish. You know, as uh You know, as an employee, I spent my time in the bathroom stall eating. I mean, that was how I behaved as an employee. As a partner, what I did is I got in a fight with you so that either I could leave the house or you could leave the house so I could be alone with my food. As a family member, I gossiped about my siblings. I complained about my parents. And as a friend, you know, if we were sitting there, you know, maybe over a nice leisurely lunch and you were telling me your deepest, darkest secrets, I was not... Thinking about what you were telling me. I was thinking about whether or not you were going to ask me to share a dessert and how I was going to somehow wrangle my way out of that one so that I could have my own dessert. That was how I lived my life. You know, in the meantime, sitting on the couch, head in a vat of food, wishing, hoping, and praying that life would change somehow magically without me lifting a finger. You know, if my problem was only physical in nature, I would have been a wonderful person who just had a little problem with food, which is what I said for years. I just have a little problem with food. I had a big problem with food. And there's a line in the later pages in the stories in the big book that says something like, it's not what I did with food, but it's what food did to me. And that's what food did to me, this exact description outlined here in this paragraph. And I'd like to say that, you know, I was motivated to change, to be a person that was sensible and well-balanced and kind and patient and tolerant and loving, as it describes in the big book, you know, the type of person that we are intended to be, that my higher power intends me to be. I'd like to say that, You know, I I wanted to do that and knew I needed to do that because it was the right thing to do. I can say that today, but in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, I knew that it was necessary. I knew that it was necessary for my recovery because I have two problems. One of them is that I have a physical allergy, an abnormal reaction to food, that's the physical part of my disease that needed to be addressed, but the obsession of the mind, my brain is my biggest obstacle to my recovery today. It, it certainly was in the food. I had a craving beyond control, but today, what I know is that, you know, my disease is doing push-ups in the back room. I have a disease that wants me dead but will settle for me being miserable, and what I know I need to do today is work on the, on the brain part you know, the chronic condition of my mind. That's where my disease is. And today, it means that I have to have clean behavior. I have to have thoughts and actions, behaviors that are completely different than what they were before. And that motivates me. Of course, it's the right thing to do. It feels good, you know. You know, building self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, you know, all of those things that I've been taught, you know, in my years in recovery have served me well. I am a completely different person today, and I have to be, because if not, I will go back to the food. Easy, easy, easy. Go back to the food. And uh, I'm just so grateful to, to be able to tell you that this transformation has happened in my life that um, I am a better employee, and I am a better daughter, and I am a better partner, and I am a better family member. You know, I'm a friend today to people, and I'm so grateful for that because it just it feels good. It feels good, and with that, I'll
2: pass.
0: Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Well, this is Janice, and I would like to uh, comment on this paragraph myself because there were so many important things. Thanks for everybody sharing You know, how do we identify? You know, here is the fellow who has been puzzling you. Well, maybe it's you that has been puzzling you, if you're anything like me. Here's this description. Yes, and it does indeed paint a picture, paint a picture, and can I see myself in this paragraph? Indeed, I can. Indeed, I can. The absurd things that I did. If people looked at it from the outside. The absurd things that I did with food. You know, hiding food in my house, and I lived alone. You know, hiding the food from myself. Hiding the food from myself. That is absurd. Or getting fast food, driving around in the car, eating that fast food, trying to get it done, throwing it in someone else's garbage, going down the alley, stopping and throwing the the packages into someone else's garbage because I couldn't bear the thought of bringing it home and putting it in my own garbage can. You know, these are things that are absurd. But they say, especially puzzling in his lack of control, in his lack of control, the phenomenon of craving had developed in me, the phenomenon of craving. And once I picked up, that allergy of the body kicked in. Stronger and stronger and stronger. And so I was totally without control over how much I consumed at any given time. But if that were my only problem, as we've been talking about, then I could have stopped. I could have gone somewhere, gotten some help and stopped. But what happened to me is even when I stopped, It says on page 22 in this paragraph, then the day comes when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. I could not bear to be uncomfortable. I could no longer live in my own skin. In my own skin. And what I needed, what I got from working the 12 steps in this program was a way to live with the uncomfortableness, with a way to live life on life's terms, because life had been my problem. Life had been my problem. And yes, every time I had an emotion or a stress or, you know, it could be a good day or a bad day, you know, but it always got worse, never better. And I needed something to quiet myself, and I thought the food was going to do it. I thought the food was going to do it, but it never did. But I couldn't see it and I couldn't stop. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to comment on this paragraph?
15: Victoria here.
0: Go ahead, Miss Victoria.
15: Good morning, Janice. Thank you. The passage which really jumped out at me this time was a passage that tells me when I pick up a drink on a day, I frequently become disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. That seemed like a very strong word to me, and my awareness was chiefly about my food problem. I was so obsessed with getting it and the demoralization I felt after binging that I put food in a box. I thought food was my only problem. I was really clueless in how that addiction affected my behavior in the world. And antisocial, the dictionary says, means averse to the society of others, hostile or harmful to organized society, being marked by behavior deviating sharply from the social norm. I was entirely unaware that I was behaving in these ways and that it was my relationship with food which triggered all of these problems. I lost my empathy for other human beings. I could not identify with what they might be feeling, with how my behavior may have affected them. I was erratic, my emotional responses to whatever was troubling me or distressing me. I had a hair-trigger temper. I, all, of these, all of these problems the big book tells me here are directly associated with my obsessive and uncontrollable use of food. So I had two problems. Well, I thought I had only one. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Victoria. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
6: This is Leah. Go ahead, Ms. Leah. Thank you so much. Yeah, this paragraph certainly takes me down memory lane here. Uh, He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around, yet early next morning he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. I mean, you know, I would binge my brains out in in my car in a dark parking lot uh, while I have a loving husband home (laughs) waiting for me, Um, but there I am, you know, with three uh, pints on my lap and... um, you know binging my brains out to my eyes hurt come home you know in great pain uh tears running down my face you know swearing, vowing, I'm never going to do this again, never going to do this again, never, 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 never going to do this again. And then lo and behold, you know, the next morning I am digging to the bottom of the trash can to find out, find that, uh, you know, those fun size uh, candy bars that I threw out and, and and tossed at the bottom of the can because I never was going to eat them again. There I am digging them up. Didn't matter whether there was... You know, Ajax that I had poured on them, it did not matter, you know. Um, Food had uh, ceased to become uh, a luxury. It was a necessity for me. And the statement here, then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. I mean, this is the true aspect of powerless for someone like me yes I have an allergy body a hundred percent I have that phenomenon of craving once I ingest certain substances but when the big book teaches me about powerlessness it's saying hey Leah yeah even though there are bad things happening to you like the threats of divorce like medical consequences like the inability to show up on your jo- at your job on time, inability to make deadlines on time, even after all that, even after all the damage that is doing to you, Leia, even after all the illness, even after everything is explained to you in excruciating detail in these pages, which I have been reading for years in uh, OA, uh, you still go out and take that first bite. That, that is the real nature of powerlessness for a real compulsive overeater like me. Because left to my own resources, I, can, I have no defense against that first bite. So though everybody focuses on the problems that compulsive overeating causes, um, meaning the medical consequences and all that, that did not really help me understand Because the real problem is that even after all the damage it was doing to me, even after the illness, even after the threats of divorce, even after all the consequences that I was experiencing, I still went and picked up that first bite. That occurred while I was abstinent. That is the true nature of my insanity. That's what powerless means for someone like me. I had no defense against that first bite. Other people don't get comfortable through food. (laughs) They just eat it for nourishment. But I looked at it as like my solution to life. You know, I got comfortable through that. That's the real area where I'm powerless. Even after I had learned about compulsive overeating, even after I had sat on numerous couches, Speaking about compulsive overeating and speaking to professionals about compulsive overeating, I still could not go through life without my substance. That's the powerlessness for someone like me. That knowledge did not help me stay abstinent. I had a bigger problem, <laughs> and uh, the big book makes that clear. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leia. Would anyone
0: else like to comment on this paragraph?
8: This is
0: All Paula. Right, sh- please go ahead, Paula.
8: Thank you. Well, there's been so much said, and I've listened well here. It says he is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, Bill W. used very amp descriptions here. You know, so you could kind of like identify in well, Gina. You would think that's very extreme for anyone that's seen the movie. I mean, Dr. Jekyll fine person. Matter of fact, maybe you would even say he's often perfectly sensible and well-balanced. But then what happens? He ingests something because he this change was going to take place. In the beginning, the change did take place. But then there was no controlling the change. It became very evident. It was who he was now. He lost Dr. Jekyll and became Mr. Hyde more and more in his life. That's what it does, more and more. And it says clearly here, and I like that word, disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. You know, I don't know if I came to that level. Perhaps, though, you could speak to the child that I finished screaming at, and maybe they could tell you. But I will tell you that part But in that respect, when he takes liquor, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Who would want to look at that? And yet, that is what I had to look at to finally realize what was happening. Thank you so much for allowing me to share with that. I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shared We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. If Esther would please read that for us.
5: Yes, good morning. My name is Esther Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day,